I remember crying on the first day because I didn't get a medal the first day and I was really upset. And then I got a bronze the second. So that satisfied me. But it showed me that I could compete and I could excel in something, you know, a lot of people with disabilities, including me growing up, there wasn't an outlet that you could be competitive in and be successful in. A lot of the time you came dead last because you were, you know, against kids in your school and people who were much more balanced than I was and could run and could jump and do all the things that I just struggled with. So excelling in something like riding was, you know, unheard of for me. And it really made me want to do it more. There is a depth and a breadth to our lives that largely goes unexplored. As an equestrian life mindset coach and host of this podcast, I am here to lead you on that exploration. Deep conversations covering topics in and out of the show ring with industry leaders and unsung heroes alike, sharing their stories and what makes their journey unique, but relatable at the same time. We all have stories to share and lessons to trade, something we've learned from a horse or from each other. So relax and be ready to listen with more than just your ears. I'm Tracy Mitchell. Welcome to Hitting Your Stride. Barbara DeAngelis once said, we don't develop courage by being happy every day. We develop it by surviving difficult times and challenging adversity. Para-dressage rider Kim Scott has taken on the challenge of living with cerebral palsy, but hasn't let that stop her in her quest to represent her country or living out her equestrian dreams. As Kim joins me today on Hitting Your Stride, I want you to listen to her story and let it sink in that this young rider is defining herself on her own terms and not letting her disorder do it for her. It began on her aunt's farm with her first experience with horses, and it's blossomed from there riding lessons, followed by competing at the BC Disability Games, and now she's on the brink of becoming a Paralympic athlete. Her goal to represent Canada at the Paralympics in Paris 2024 might be considered a pinnacle for some, but for Kim, it's just the next big goal on the checklist that's full. I talk with Kim about what it's like competing for her with the limitations that cerebral palsy presents, and she talks about the determination and frame of mind she puts herself in to go after those goals. There is an appreciation for hard work and for the help and the guidance she's received along her path. Gifted with gratitude to go with her grit, Kim talks about the influences she's had, the unique partnership with her horse Dominion, or Domino as she calls him, and how she wants to ensure a future for young riders like her by taking up coaching as her calling. Kim's undaunted spirit is infectious as she speaks about her life in the saddle, and I found myself rooting for her wholeheartedly by the time this episode was over. With that, please join me as I welcome Kim Scott to the show. All right, everybody. Well, here we go. Thank you, Kim Scott, for joining Hitting Your Stride. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very good. I am so happy to have you here. This has been quite the journey to getting to this this conversation. So I'm thrilled that you are here and that you are doing well and all that stuff. 
Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Awesome. All right. So the bio on your website starts to tell the story of how you got interested in horses. But can you remember exactly what it was that captured your imagination at the first time? Um, it, we could all blame it on my aunt. She owns horses and we used to go to her ranch when I was younger every summer just for a vacation. And uh, she had a couple of reining horses, so we would always get to hop on too. Um, my sister then got the gift of riding lessons. She was the most horse crazy. And being the younger sister, right, I wanted to do everything she did as well. Um, but because I couldn't really sit up, my parents were pretty terrified of me sitting on a horse, right? Um, so they waited and waited and kind of waited it out until I was 11. And I was like, nope, I, I'm done. I'm horse crazy. We gotta, I gotta get on a horse. And so they found our local therapy riding center. Um, and I started there. And I remember where we were on the drive there and um I said to my mom I said as soon as I can ride that horse on my own I want to go to a normal riding school um and I'm still with the same coach 15 years later I, I find that really funny but yeah that's how it kind of started wow so the same coach that's amazing. I, I can't mm -hmm. remember off the top of my head, but I've had a guest on here before that has had the same coach for their, their whole riding career. And yeah, it's not very heard of. It's no. oftentimes you find people switching. So what is it about your coach that makes this connection so special? So I ride with Stella French and she started me in the therapeutic riding. Um, and through the years, I ride with different coaches as well and, you know, more specialized dressage, but she's been the one that really has pushed me to follow my dream. She is the owner of my horse. Um, she is my boss. Um, I got into coaching with her, vaulting and riding. Um, and I think it's just her as a coach and a professional. She's always willing to learn more and educate herself. Um, and then share everything she knows. So I'm very, very lucky to have her as an owner, mentor, coach, and friend, really. That's awesome. <laughs> so she's right there beside you the whole way. And Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. So what does living with cerebral palsy mean for an equestrian athlete, both in the physical and mental emotional terms? Um, I, I think being a athlete with a disability or any challenge, really, um, I'm going to question first, uh, the horses are my passion, the training, the horses are actually my passion and para is parallel. So we, we train dressage the same as any able-bodied rider. The horses have to be going just as correct. Um, they have to be just as well-trained, if not more. Um, the thing with having a disability, though, is sometimes it changes day to day. Like sometimes I can be more tired, more stiff, just like anyone else. Right. But it just it just affects me and the horse a little bit more. But that's that's where the training comes in. And it has to be so precise so that the horses know the difference, because, you know, a good day or a bad day, it's not going to matter when you're going down the central line you you're not judged on your disability you're judged on the horse and how they're going and it's up to you to figure out how to on those bad days get there really wow yes para is parallel 
I love yeah. that. That's yeah. amazing. Um, so what kind of fine tunings, like when you say the horse has to be, you know, so finely tuned as are you referring to how they listen to the aids? So absolutely. How do you get them to that point? It's a lot of, so my horses are trained to voice aids um, for the upwards and downwards transition, um, as well as a half aid. So just making sure when I ride, those aids are really refined, you know, cluck means cluck, smooch means smooch, and not clucking all the time like a chicken, which I am very bad at too. Um, <laughs> my coaches will tell you. Um, and I ride with two whips as well. So my legs are a little bit weaker. So the horses have to learn the leg aids are the same as whip aids. Um, and it's really just being dedicated and consistent every ride to make sure that those aids are staying the same, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Now, do, do you have a, a team? Like, does your coach help your horse get them to this point where they learn the aids? Yeah, um, I like to ride my horses mostly myself. Um, like I do my, a lot of, some para riders, um, they will have their coaches warm up for them. Um, a lot of the riders I coach do. Um, safety is one and refining the aids and warming up the horse and all those things, they come into play. I, I like to warm up my own horse, um, but sometimes in the higher school movements my coaches will get on and just help the horses with either fitness or refining aids or her and I will figure out you know how do we do this half pass aid and the horse still understands when I get on you know so yeah they they do ride probably twice a week we try to get the coaches on okay awesome yeah Huh, this is fascinating. <laughs> All right. So do you remember what the conversations were like with your parents when you first told them you wanted to ride horses and then go into competitions? Well, like I said, they were pretty terrified at first. They're like, our disabled daughter riding? Like, maybe not. Um, but they've been super supportive of whatever I want to do. They're just so behind me. Um, before I started riding, I wanted to be an Olympic show jumper just because it looked appealing. Um, I don't leave the ground now, you know, unless we're in collection. <laughs> but yeah, they were they were really supportive of like whatever you want to do, go for it. You know, within a year of me riding, we were at the uh, BC Games in. Powell River, I think it was. So it's about a four hour drive and they drove me and they supported me and they did all the things. Um, yeah, they they do whatever they can on sidelines to support me. Oh, well, you have such a spirit. Like, you know, when you were saying, you know, my big sister's doing this, there's nothing going to stop me. And I don't know, I think in general, and we'll talk about that a little further, but the mindset is so important. And it sounds like yours Definitely. is in the perfect place. So that's awesome. <laughs> so just to follow up on this question, what was it like competing in the BC Disability Games in 2007? And what do you remember about the feeling of competing that for that first time? And how different was it or sorry, has it become for you since then? Oh, I was excited that first competition. So in 2007, I was 12. 
and I was really young and I, I didn't know about paradressage or the Paralympics. I, I was just really excited to be somewhere else competing with my horse all weekend. I remember crying on the first day because I didn't get a medal the first day and I was really upset. And then I got a bronze the second. So that satisfied me. But it showed me that I could compete and I could excel in something, you know, a lot of people with disabilities, including me growing up. There wasn't an outlet that you could be competitive in and be successful in. Um, A lot of the time you came dead last because you were you know, against kids in your school and people who were much more balanced than I was and could run and could jump and do all the things that I just struggled with. Um, So excelling in something like riding was, you know, unheard of for me. And it really made me want to do it more. Nice. Awesome. Good for you. So it's been a steady climb for you since that first bronze medal back in 07 to what is now your goal of riding for Canada at the Paris 2024 Paralympics. So what kind of mindset have you needed to be in to continue to rise through the ranks in your sport? Can you talk about the mental preparation side of your training and what about it has allowed you to thrive? I wouldn't say it's been like a super steady climb I definitely want to do, and the passion has stayed there. Um, There's been a lot of up and downs, um, health-wise, mental health-wise. But the thing that has always kept me going forward is the horses and the training. You know, that's my first passion is to be in the training arena, making sure the horses are going their best. And the mental preparation, going into all the competitions and going through all the milestones has really been like competing against yourself. I love dressage and the fact that you you can do that same test five times and your goal is still to get a better score. You know, it doesn't matter who else is in the arena, who else is in the competition, you can still compete against yourself. And that that's what I want to do at the end of the day is get the best out of myself and my horse. I hold myself to the highest standard, you know, um, the horse can't be steady in the contact if your hands aren't steady in the contact type thing. So a lot of mental preparation about that mindfulness, all, all the techniques have helped me to get where I am today. Awesome. So what kind of, what kind of practices do you have when you're not in the saddle and how do they translate for you once you get into that saddle? How do you set yourself up for um, success? Yeah, I've worked a lot with the sports psychologist, Dave Fries here in BC. Um, We've done a lot of work on the mindfulness. um, So a lot of visualization. I visualize my tests a lot before a competition, um, seeing what I need to do, remembering, seeing the arena. Um, I also do a lot of um, off horse training. So I do vaulting. Um, I'm a vaulting coach, but I also do it on my own horse, he is a vaulting horse as well. Um, And that's really good with strength training Um, and a lot of off horse like strength training, physio, things like that. Just make sure my body is as strong as it can to help out the horse. Um, Because of my disability, I'm a little bit one-sided. So if I'm one-sided, the horse becomes one-sided and that really affects everything. So working those things out on the ground then translates back to the horse where I don't have to think about it as much. 
Nice. Okay. And do you do, when you talked about mindfulness, like do you do, aside from the visualization, do you do any kind of meditation or journaling or anything like that, that kind of helps, you know, ground you in times where you might be feeling frustrated or, or do you, do you experience that? Oh, uh, absolutely. I experience that. I think everyone does. Um, I, I do breathing um, and I do a lot of journaling and writing down. So I'll write down a, a training session of what we did, what went well, what didn't. Um, I also like videoing my rides a lot. Um, and then I, I look at that video a lot um, and look at different things, whether it's what my trainer says and go back and look at my position and then go back and look how that affects the horse and all those things. I'm a very visual learner. So, you know, using that to my advantage and then taking that into the visualization of what I need to do better. I'm already that far ahead when I go back on the horse. Awesome. It sounds like you've got a great plan, a great support team, you know, and I can just going to ask you about this horse you're working with too. So that's, uh, that's a pretty special group together. All right. Mm -hmm. So what makes your partnership with Domino so special? Uh, Domino, he, well, we found him in field doing nothing at 11 and this, this big gangly 17 hand warm blood. He didn't look special. He was really an ugly duckling. But what brought him home for the vaulting program and me was his personality. He has the best personality. He doesn't spook. He doesn't, you know, get hot unless I want him to be. Um, <laughs> you know, he he's such a kind soul and easy to work with. Um, and that's really translated through. It's been three years, and he he's just the best personality to work with and is so talented like as he's come on he's really shown what he can do um and, and it just feels like a partnership it feels like he he'll do anything for me whether I'm lunging him on the vaulting circle or riding him in the dressage arena he's the same and um he he's really been able to impact a lot of lives as well you know we have girls um borrowing him for vaulting competitions or me riding or I can stick a student on him to learn something and he does that job too he's just a one in a million horse wow and he was just hanging out in a field hanging out in a field doing nothing wow so how did you find him like did you answer an ad or did somebody say here and had he already been imagining he'd already been started and had a riding career a little bit before you got him did he a little bit um yeah we I mean he was a 17 hand warm blood we were actually offered him for vaulting um we get that a lot for vaulting because you know there's so little amount of horses that can actually do the job sometimes people are like hey I know a horse um and he had been started. He had been walk, talk, canter, but no one had really been able to bring him forward. You know, just he, he was a good personality to hang out in the field with youngsters or whoever and just cut, just kind of was there. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And he's adjusted to work life, has he? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I can take him anywhere. 
Um, we don't think he's been many places before um, we got him, but we can take him anywhere. He's been to fairs, big vaulting competitions, my riding competitions, obviously. And he he just does it. He 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 just does it. He's not really scared of anything, and he'll just listen to you and do his job. He knows it so well. Have you asked him if he wants to go to Paris? I think he would rather stay in his paddock and eat, honestly. But he, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's a safe personality that I, I think he will do the job and he, it won't phase him. I mean, I mean, it's a big trip and it's a big travel for the horses. But I think of all the horses I have had, he will be the easiest to ask to do that job. Oh, that's awesome. Gotta love that. All right. So um, who have you looked up to as an equestrian role model and drawn inspiration from? And what would you say to those who may cite you as an inspiration to them for all that you're doing with your skills and ambition? Um, obviously, my, my coach, Stella, is like a big inspiration, how she handles the horses. Absolutely. Um, but I also look up to riders like Sophie Wells and um, Kate Shoemaker in the U.S. who are para riders, but they're also doing something else with their horse careers. They're riding, they're coaching, they're mentoring other riders. And all those things I have a huge passion for. Um, I have a huge passion for, you know, helping the younger riders coming up who might not have the opportunities Um and I never think of myself as like an inspiration or anything like that, but um, to younger riders or new riders coming on up into the scene, I think the, the working hard, I mean, everyone wants to work hard and do their best, but also horses first, you know, the training first, the everything else will fall into place when it does, you know, I've waited a long time to get to this point through many horses just because it wasn't time and it's kind of all come come to me at the right time um I've been very blessed I've been very lucky for the opportunities I've had um but it will come if you want it to just wait it out and I feel too like your your experience whether you realize it or not you are an inspiration to others, mm -hmm. right? Just by doing your day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. Just by, you know, experiencing what you do, putting one foot forward out for the other, right? Like it's, it's called life. You've got Absolutely. those ups and downs and people that are observing you or will hear your story here and then you know have you on their radar it's like wow that Kim Scott is pretty awesome para athletes are no different than regular athletes when it comes to their dreams so can you put into context what it's like for you chasing a spot on the 2024 Paris Paralympic Games team well it's a lot of Hard work. I mean, getting to Paris, right? We all say we want to go to the Paralympics, and obviously I do, but it's through a lot of hard work. We have a lot of qualifying next year to do, and um, 
a lot of it comes down to, again, the correct training and those test scores. Um, I, I'm very lucky to have a big team behind me who are pulling for me. And so we're just going to go into it doing our best. And hopefully that's enough to make the team. My, my goal is to qualify and I can't control who else is going for the team or their scores. All I can control is my horse and my and myself and how how we're working on this end. So what is that process like? Do you have to do a lot of, like how many qualifying scores or qualifying shows do you have to do? Um, The hard part right now is that this year, so 2023 we're in, um, it's a team qualifying year. So Canada is qualifying the team, but next year is the individual qualification for Paris. So, um, we will, I will be going to Ottawa in just over a week to do a two-star um, competition. I'm borrowing a horse over there um, to score into the three-star. So right now I have to get a certain score at a two-star level in order to move on to the three-star level because I've been out of this for a couple of years. I haven't actually done an international competition yet. Um, and then... I will hopefully do a three-star in the fall and try on. Um, but next year, it doesn't come out until about January or February of what actual qualifying competitions you need. So this year is like showing up, getting the experience. And then next year is hopefully qualifying and then going to Paris. Okay. Very That's busy. Awesome. Yes, very busy. And lots of little goals along the way, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. So what has been the hardest part of this journey for you when you factor in all the variables that cerebral palsy makes you deal with? And how do you manage to set those aside and keep focused on your goals? Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of lucky because I've always had the CP. So I, I don't know any different. I was born with it. I grew up with it. So high a ride is how I've always ridden. I, I think for some people who have acquired their disability, um, it's a little bit harder. I have been diagnosed though this past year with a um, disability called functional neurological disorder. Um, it's a neurological condition where the brain shuts off the body. So there are points where I experience a um, like a weakness in my limbs um, that I might have to go into hospital for rehab for. Um, so it's been a year of figuring that out in between training. So I might have to go into the hospital for a week and then I come out and I train and I compete and we just great it doesn't happen again so now we have a um like a treatment plan now I shouldn't have to go into the hospital and full steam ahead but up until this point up until a week ago um it's been a little bit difficult to kind of know what I can and can't plan for um right. so I think that has been harder than the CP. The CP is easy. I've been dealing with that for 28 years, but the new health issues are a little bit, a little bit more challenging. Okay. So it's going to take you a little bit to, I, I don't know, like how do, how do you put it? Find out what your new circumstances are, yeah. right? The yeah. new normal, right? But the new normal. Yeah. Yeah. But again, but, like, sorry, from the sounds of it though, I don't know, like it, you've got such a positive 
outlook and you nothing stops you. So w- what's your plan then? You follow the doctor's orders, you rehab and make yourself as strong as possible and just keep going? Absolutely. I mean, I just find that life is too short to let those things kind of get in the way. You know, you, you have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I'm, I'm not the type to kind of sit down and just let it go by. I, I want to be in the race. I, I want to be up there. So no one can do it for me. I have to do it. And, you know, so I'm doing it because I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Wow. Tell me a little bit about the people that you coach. So did, and what age group are they and what are you doing with them and for them? Um, I, so I coach equestrian vaulting. So that's gymnastics on horseback. And that's uh, like four years old up to like, we don't have an age limit. Um, so I work a lot with those girls on like gymnastics and dance and harmony with a horse and all those kind of things. And I also lunge the horses there. Um, and I work the horses and I train the horses for the vaulting. Um, and then for the riding, uh, we have a lot of para riders, like a lot of young, younger para riders. So I, I really enjoy taking them along and showing them the journey and being on the journey for them. Um, our kids have been able to do the BC summer games here in BC for para dressage. So last Last summer, I was really fortunate to be able to head coach the BC Summer Teens team for Paradressage last year and the lunch for the vaulting. That was busy. Um, And I've gotten a lot of other really cool opportunities as well to coach para-riding. And I I find that so important to give back because I've had so many opportunities that if that one person didn't give me a chance, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I want to do that for someone else. Oh, this makes me a little emotional. I just think, <laughs> I just think what you're doing is so, so important. Exactly. It's about paying it forward. It's about being mm-hmm. grateful. It's about not giving up. It's about going after your goals. Like all the while, it's not quote unquote, you're not making it a big deal. You're just doing what needs to be done. Yeah. You're you're amazing. Thank you. Yes. Gosh, I know so many people that could probably, you know, learn something from this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right. All right. So apart from going to Paris to represent Canada, what other goals have you set for yourself? Can you break down your process when it comes to setting goals and then figuring out how to chase them down? Um, I don't, think I have process I more ebb and flow um but in the next like five years I I just would like to coach more um obviously ride more I want riding to take me where I want to I want to do Paralympic games world games like I want to be up there and I want to be able to say I'm one of the best in the world no matter how long that takes me um, and then, and then continuing to grow my coaching and to grow my horsemanship and my education really I love horses I love the whole whether it's trail riding dressage vaulting maybe not jumping but everything else in between um you know I just I just want to know more so continuing to grow continuing to learn and see where it takes me 
That's awesome. So like too, when you said you're not sure if you have a process regarding, you know, setting your goals, do you have, this is the coach, the life coach coming out in me here. Yeah. Did, do you have short-term goals? You obviously have some long-term goals, but to get to those long-term goals, sometimes you need to set yourself up with the short-term ones, Absolutely. right? That are like not even in, not even in the ring or having to do with the horses. Cause I find, and that's maybe a little bit of wisdom in my years, if I could share mm -hmm. this to you, that with everything that I could foresee in your future, you might have to develop a process. Yes, right? yes. Just to kind of help yeah. manage your, your life and your goals and everything you've got going on. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are obviously, you know, short-term and long-term goals. Absolutely, that's something I do. Whether it's, I need to do this competition and this competition to lead up to this. Um, but in all honesty, that is something that I don't, do that maybe I should start doing um, more. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, always that, learning. That's awesome. All right. So yes, I think you touched on that. The next five years, uh, what are they going to look like for you? So you want to do more coaching, you want to, you know, what does that entail? Like, do you start your own business? Where are you doing all of this coaching from? So I work with Mainstream Equestrian here in Victoria. Um, my coach, Stella French, runs it and I work under her. So within the next five years, um, the plan is for me to take over the riding side, the equestrian side of the program and start to be doing more of the, um, more of the organization for the uh, BC Summer Games Paraquestrian side the team and selecting the team and all that because all the athletes are from all over the province so doing some more of that I would like to lunge more for the CVI and the international vaulting with our horses too so you know always goals and I get to do these goals because of the opportunities given to me by so many you know I I've really been lucky to have this because people have believed in me and trusted me with these things Aww. well man just one other question how many horses do you ride in a day uh two to three depending on um where i'm at i also like manage our barn so i'm also like feeding and mucking and doing all those things you're awesome i'm it's just been so such a pleasure to meet you and connect with you and i'm so happy we got this uh, conversation done and, and we've had this it's um yeah it's an it's an inspiration and I got to tell you I was when I'm looking for guests and people who I would talk to and then and, and I came across you via someone else I'm like let me check this girl out and I was just like she sounds great and you are just so sweet like you're thank you. <laughs> so I thank you for taking the time yes to make this make this conversation happen and I gotta tell you you've got a really big fan right here and I would love to keep in touch and see how your journey goes absolutely absolutely thank you very much awesome well thank you Kim so there you have it I have some great interviews lined up for future episodes and we'll be covering some pretty interesting topics, as always with the intent to open and engage the horse world on a wide variety of issues.
So until next time, keep your eyes forward and continue to hit your stride. To stay current with Hitting Your Stride, subscribe on my website or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here today, make sure you share and leave a comment to help guide future episodes and widen the audience. And be sure to check out social media to keep up to date with Equestrian Elements Life Coaching.